So this morning we're talking about uh, the roar, um, the roar that changes everything. And I, I, have, I have one big idea, I've got a couple points, and then I've got one question. Can you hang with me? Kids, look at your parents and say, Mom, Dad, please be quiet. I'm trying to listen. <laughs> All right. Now, a lot of the facts, we've heard a lot of facts about um, Seth. Man, Seth, that was phenomenal last week. Was that, that was last week, right? Yeah. Wow. Everybody was like, finally, we got a preacher. <laughs> so good. So good. So uh, we, we have, a, we learned, we've learned a lot about lions. And um, to be honest, we have an expert in our, in the house. Um, Kim is, she was just playing keyboard and now she's, are you back there now? Oh, there she is. Kim is, um, she's an expert on all things animals. Um, I feel like, and so she gave me a lot of information about lions, so much that it's too much, uh, and so um, I'm going to try, pray for me, I'm going to try to keep the main thing, the main thing, and, and, I, and I'm not lying, I'm not kidding around. <laughs> Let's hit the pause button on that for just a second. Okay. If ever people have felt Wendy's pain, it's right now. The collective room is saying, get to the word, Paul, right? Like, quit with these puns. They're not punny at all. Um, so let me just, I'm going to clarify something that God gave me this week, and then um, we'll, we'll do the, the, question, uh, the statement, the, the points in the question. I've, I've just said things to God. I, I don't know how you talk to God. I ask him questions all the time like, um, is Jesus a lamb or a lion? Well, and, yeah, thanks. By the way, God's voice does not sound like Mike. But that, that was the answer that God gave me. He's like, he's both. But I don't, but like, how and why? And this is, you know, theologians, you can find people that might be smarter than me. Well, no, you definitely can. But this is what I feel like God helped. He helped me kind of put this in my thought. So we can, because we're talking a lot about the lion today, but it does not discount the lamb of God, right? So the, so the lamb of God was his purpose. His purpose was to be slain. Revelation 13, 8 says, and, and by the way, when I found, I, I mean, I didn't find it, I knew this verse, but I read it again. I learned something I never knew before. Revelation 13, 8 says that he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. We've all heard that. Guess who says it? No. People who, haven't give, who didn't give their lives to him. It's at the end of time, and the Bible says in Revelation 13 that the people on earth who did not bow their knee to him will say that he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. His purpose was to be slain. He came to earth as a lamb. But his position, y'all, his position is as a lion. And he's coming again. He comes, and we'll read this verse in a minute, Isaiah 31, 4. He comes down to fight. He is the lion. That is his position and here's the big idea today. Big idea just means if you can remember these three words, and these are the, this is the shortest big idea ever, then if you go home with this, I'm happy. Here's your big idea. The roar 
reaches. The roar reaches. Lions' roars can be heard up to five miles away. And they don't even break a sweat, right? This is like, I can't really explain it, Cam, fully, but like that square vocal box thing allows them to like make a huge noise without a lot of oxygen and air pushing through. So they're not like, like, you know, I, I, I grabbed this screenshot from the first message I preached in this series, and the screenshot is like me going, right? And I was like turning red in the face, you know, like when we really start to scream, you ever get lightheaded and like lions are just like, <clears throat> and, and then it happens five miles away, y'all five miles away. And some of you are like, I don't know, man, when God speaks, it just seems like it's not that loud. Will you just write this down? Distance reduces decibels. Distance reduces decibels. If you stand next to a lion one meter away, guess how loud his roar is? 114 decibels. I, I try to pay attention. I know that we, I say we because it's Tennessee, right? Come on, go volunteers. We broke the record in the Alabama game, right? But you mentioned Oklahoma. The Oklahoma game, when it was 118, 118 decibels, that was the record until the Alabama game. And do you remember what Seth said last week? At 118 decibels, the center, that's the guy that stands over and snaps the ball and hopes that the quarterback doesn't get too close. He turned around and told the quarterback, I can't, like, one, I can't hear you, and two, I'm not touching the ball, and it's shaking on the ground. Now, that's at Neyland Stadium, which holds like 110-ish, 100 and two-ish a lot of people 102,000 people so make sure you're putting this together it takes 102,000 crazy people standing up fully engaged roaring as loud as they can to match what it sounds like one meter from one lion his roar reaches y'all we can hear it we can hear the roar reach Psalm 139 says, there's nowhere we can go and not hear him. And here's what happens. Because the roar reaches, this is what happens when it reaches us. I could tell, I could tell you 20 things, but I'm going to try to just mention a few. One, it warns us. Amos chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this. The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, the vision he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam son of Jehoash, that guy, was king of Israel. He said, verse 2, the Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of the Carmel withers. When he roars when it reaches us, it warns us. Just in verse 1, Amos saw the vision of the roaring lion two years before the event happened. People talk about, like, God's not gracious. That's grace. Two years, y'all, to prepare for what was coming. Um, a commentator said that in the wild, a lion roars just as it's about to pounce on its prey. And so symbolically and metaphorically, the roar of the lion in our verse here shows the imminent intervention of God in human affairs. He's coming. He's coming. He's warning us. I, I love this, um, this fact about lions. I mentioned this Wednesday night in prayer. I think, I think or it might have been Friday night at the night watch. We've been here a lot. 
uh, parents of young children, if you've ever had young children, just raise your hand. <clears throat> or you have them now. If you've ever done this, laid in bed at night knowing you should sleep while the baby's quiet, but you can't because you're, you're clenched on your jaw and you're like, please, God, don't let them cry. Right? <laughs> like, we can sleep through alarm clocks. We can't sleep through baby crying. Right? I don't know what it is. Well, I, I do know what it is. I found out what it is. Babies are created like they emit a high frequency that's designed by God to rouse you. And lions have the same, I don't know what it would be called. It's like, it's like loose gel-like vocal folds. And it causes such an irregular vibration. Lions are on the low end. Babies will be on the high end. Amen, parents? It's like, oh my. When a lion roars, he's been created to agitate the people that hear him. Kind of what Bridget was talking about earlier. Like, we recognize this. And again, if you're here today and you're like, that, that worship thing, what, that was weird. Hey, you know what that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good weird. I'm just saying, like, sometimes we have this response. And listen, I'm with you. But here's what I know. The roar of the lion, not for my comfort. Designed to agitate, to rouse, to wake up. He's warning us. Number two, the second thing it does is it protects us. The lion's roar protects um, Seth sent me an article. There's somebody that lives in North Carolina that has done some research about the paralyzing effect of the lion's roar. Like literally when the roar goes, that's terrible, and I'm never going to do it again until that tone right there. That was the second time, never, ever again. But when the lion roars, literally can freeze its prey in its tracks. Sometimes when God roars, we're just like... Um, not sure what to do next. And our enemies feel the same way. Amos chapter 3 verse 8 says, The lion has roared. Who will not fear? And when we hear the power of the roar, I was reading. I was, um, and when you start researching lions, y'all, you can read lots of crazy stories. I was reading a story of a woman who doesn't love Jesus. I mean, just researches lions, lives kind of in the wild. And she said the first time she heard a lion roar in person, she just said, I just stood there, and I didn't know why, but I just started crying. I like, I know why. He's going to eat you. <laughs> you should run, right? She said, but every time after that, I would just start to weep, and I didn't know why. Like, even if I was far enough away that I wasn't afraid, I would just, like, weep. And it's because it has an emotional response in us. There's a reaction that happens on the inside of us when somebody more powerful, something more powerful than us, shows up. He does the same thing with our enemies. He protects us. Isaiah chapter 31, verses 1 through 4. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Now, before we read the next couple of verses, I know that we have people in the room today that you don't, maybe don't normally come to church. And we're so glad you're here. And I recognize that if you don't normally come to church, you might also not normally read the Bible, right? So, like, I'm reading, like, stuff about Egypt, and you're like, I don't care about Egypt. So, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, I mean, there's stories about it. We won't go into it, but the, Egypt was held God's people captive. But ever... Ever after those stories in the Bible, when you see Egypt, it's, it's metaphorically talking about like our old way of life. 
The things that we use to trust in, is this making it more real? Like sometimes we trust in other things to save us rather than in God. And so he's saying, hey, woe to those who are looking back to things you used to pursue to save you. Verse 2, yet he too is wise and can bring disaster. He, God, does not take back his words. He will rise up against that wicked nation, against those who help evildoers. But the Egyptians are mere mortals and not God. Their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, those who help will stumble. Those who are helped will fall. All will perish together. But this is what the Lord says. As a lion growls, a great lion over its prey, and though a whole bond of shepherds is called together against it, it is not frightened by their shouts or disturbed by their clamor. So the Lord Almighty will come down to do battle on Mount Zion and on its heights. Here's what that means. He's protecting you today. If you're following Jesus, he says, as a lion, the Lord Almighty will come down to do battle. And I don't know how you handle distractions. I don't do that great with them. Like I could be like zoned in on a conversation and something cool happens and I'm like, what was that, right? The lion... Not frightened by shouts, not disturbed by clamor. Some of y'all are like, I cannot even focus on what's happening right now because my child is making a noise, right? We get so distracted by stuff, y'all, but the lion doesn't. He comes down single-minded with one focus, and here's what it is. I am going to protect my kids from the enemy that wants to take them out. Don't even, don't even doubt for a second. When you hear the lion's roar... Yeah, he wants to wake us up. He wants to get our attention. He wants to warn us that something's coming, but what's coming is him. And he's coming down, what did it say? To do battle. Number three, he comes to rescue. Now, some of y'all are going to struggle with this statement, and I get it. Because we want to point out all the bad things that people do. But he doesn't come down to fight with you. He wants to come down and fight for you. We're so busy fighting each other over stuff, we can't even imagine that a holy God would come down as the lion of the tribe of Judah to actually fight for us. Think of the worst sinner that you know. Don't point fingers. And he went to the cross for that person. That person that you're so, you're so, we're so caught up with like making sure that people know how bad they were, are, how much they've done to us that hurt us. He went to the cross for that person. He came down from heaven to do battle over that person. He rescues us. You know, it's Easter, so y'all know, even if you're not churched, I'm going to call you to Jesus, right? Some of y'all are like, I know, if I could just get through that, I can go back with my life. I'll see you next year. I see to remind you, because if you're here and you're not following Jesus, and you've been around some church people, then they've probably convinced you that you deserve hell. Do you know that hell wasn't made for you? Hell was made for the devil and his angels. Now, um, I'm going to step out on a limb here. Wendy, I'm asking you live. You feel free to disagree with me. On my worst day, and there's been a lot of them, am I the devil? No. 
and I don't think I'm one of his angels. I'm not supposed to go to hell. It wasn't made for me. It wasn't made for you. And so he came down to rescue us from a, an eternal destiny that he never desired for us. There are people that, I'm not saying we won't go to hell. There are people that will 100% go to hell. But he didn't make that for them. And so the cross is clear evidence, y'all, that he came down to serve his purpose as the lamb to be slain so that he could be like, y'all, that's not where you're supposed to go. I've got a place over here. We prepared that one for the devil and his angels, but we're preparing a house over here with lots of rooms. You've sung the song, big, big house, right, with lots and lots of football. You're all things, right? He rescues. Two more. He restores. Not going to go into this, but when I think about the roar reaching, I think about the prodigal son story. Like, well, there's no lion in that story. No, but there are words that echoed all the way to the pig slop. All right, at some point, this guy is feeding pigs. And he's like, wait a second, what am I doing here? And the roar of the lion reached him five miles away. He heard something off in the distance, and he was like, that sounds familiar. That sounds like my dad. It sounds like, like a guy that would treat his servants better than my boss is treating me. Why did I walk away from that? And how can I go back? And don't you know the roar led him back? Like the closer he got, we talked about distance reduces decibels. It decreases. But guess what? The closer you get, that it gets a little bit louder and a little bit louder and a little bit louder. And that roar met that son on the road when his dad ran out and met him. He restores the lion's roar put a ring and a robe on that prodigal. He said, I'm so glad you're back. I've been roaring for you ever since you left. And then the last thing that his roar does is it resounds. I had to look that one up. I was pretty sure I knew what resound means. It means resound. Hello, people. It means to fill a place with sound loud enough to echo. Sometimes I think what we do at church is we say, hey, um, on Easter, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross. And then he rose again. It was like loud then. But now we're quiet. Because it was just an event. We treat it like it was just an event, y'all. That event changed my life. It changed your life. And here's what happens with the lion's roar. He roars, and then when he roars, a lion roars, it marks his territory. It basically says, uh, this is mine, and all that are supposed to be with me come now. He calls, aren't they called a pride? It's the only good pride, right? See how our lion expert was like, you go, Paul. I love it. 
Thank you. He calls his pride together. He says, y'all are with me. I think there's something in the Bible about how the shepherd knows whose sheep are his. How the sheep listen to his voice. How when he roars, something in me goes, oh, I better clear my throat because I'm fixing to get a little bit louder. He goes, and I go, meow. His roar resounds. And for 2,000 years, the church has echoed that sound. If you come to church once a year on Easter, hey, guess what? Refresh your course. We win. We win because he won. And what he did there echoes through eternity because we continue to tell the story that Jesus won. So I told you I had a statement, the war reaches, that's your big idea. There's five things that it does. Warns, protects, rescues, restores, and resounds. And here's the question that God put on my heart. Ban, y'all can come back up. Some of y'all are like, we should have Easter every Sunday because Paul is fast. It's true. It's true. It's because parents struggling right now, right? Kids are doing great. Parents struggling. Here's the question that I feel like I'm supposed to ask you. If the roar reaches, and it does, are you on the right side of the roar? Now, my first answer to that is, if you're here, and you are, and you're breathing, and is everybody still good? Check the person next to you, make sure they're still alive. Everybody's alive? And y'all that are watching online, if you're watching still and breathing, if you're breathing, then by God's grace, we have the possibility of being on the right side of the roar and I don't mean this like that like fiery preacher to scare you into eternity but I do believe that God is restoring the awe in the church that comes from the roar pastor Bridges talked about, talked about holiness earlier like we've only known holiness as like this angry preacher saying you better stop sinning but I think that he's restoring this holiness to the church that says oh God you love me so much. I don't want anything to be between me and you. So if you love me enough to say that I shouldn't do this, then I'm not going to do it because I, I want that. I want you, right? He's, he's restoring us. And he does it sometimes in ways louder than we ever want. And I told our church when we started this series, this is not about volume. It's not about making y'all sing louder. This is about releasing the sound of freedom. And a locked-up church can't sing about freedom. We have to know what he's done for us. And if you're in this room, the Bible says that you should be singing if you're a Christian. That you should be like, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Some of you are like, I said one word 55 years ago, and I'm done. No, we're supposed to keep saying and keep proclaiming, keep telling people this is what the gospel is. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And people that really know you will be like, I believe that because you were terrible. And sometimes still are. And if he can do that for you, then I want him to do that for me. Y'all, this past Wednesday night, we, we watched the lions roar, restore somebody, rescue somebody standing right here. 
in a moment when people were praying for somebody, and I kept thinking, like, yeah, I was just going to know my pastor's heart. Like, I'm praying, I'm praying for him, and I've got my hand, like, right on his chest, and I can just feel. Anxiety is not the right word, but, like, I'm such an introvert that I keep thinking, like, if I'm in this guy's position, I'm, like, really struggling. How This would be very uncomfortable. People that don't know me are laying their hands all over me, and they're praying for me loudly. And so I just leaned in and said, hey, man, I know this is awkward. And in that moment, he leans up to me. And literally, I felt water on my hand because he was crying. And this is all he said. In a whisper, he just said, put his head right on my shoulder, and he said, Paul, I think I want to be saved now. Y'all. Now, the lion roars, and the roar reaches. And the question is, are you on the right side of the roar? Because there will be a day, and I referenced it earlier, when those of us who refused to bow the knee to the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah, we will say, surely this was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. But we will say it too late. There will no longer be time to, they will say the truth, but we'll have no time to repent in light of it. I told you all this a couple weeks ago. All of us are going to have the same regret. We all live with one common regret, and it is that we did not come to Jesus sooner. We just happen to live when we can fix that. But there will be an eternity that people will spend apart from God regretting for the rest of eternity that they did not come to Jesus sooner. I don't want that to be you. So I'm going to ask you to straighten your back, put your shoulders back, lift your head up, and open your eyes wide. How about we don't hide today? How about we respond to the roar that's reaching us right now? If you're in this room, and you've never chosen to, to follow Jesus, to trust what he did on the cross. And I want to be super clear. What he did on the cross was pay for your sins and mine. We could talk about love all day long, but we sinned against God. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, there's no one good, no one righteous, Romans 6.23 says that there's a payment for that, and it is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And I want to clearly extend that gift to us in the room today. And if you've never received that gift, never said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, I want to confess you just like I did Wednesday night. I was like, I know it's crazy, it sounds cliche, but it's ABC. You admit you're a sinner, you believe that he rose, and you confess that he's Lord. It's literally that simple. And we did it right there. And I would love to do it again this morning. I would love to see you bow the knee to Jesus. And then get up with power to live out the destiny he has for you. Because the roar is going to restore your life. Some of you have come in here today and you're like, I'm following Jesus. But I am struggling. <laughs> Anybody relate to that? And I need you to know this morning that the roar reaches you so that he can restore you. He can give you hope again. Easter is the beautiful reminder 
that there is hope on the other side of death and despair. And this morning, he can resurrect your life. So can we respond to that? And here's how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to do it. I think you're just going to respond. They're going to sing a little bit. And I'm going to ask you just to, if you want prayer, come up here. And I'd love to pray with you while they're singing. Can we all stand together? And by the way, contrary to maybe what you might think because of how we worship like crazy at the beginning, we won't drag this out. Because I'm a firm believer in this, y'all. If I have to beg you to come to Jesus, I'm going to have to beg you to stay with him. So we're not begging. <laughs> no, sir. We are just holding out the word of life. That there is a lion who sees more in you than you probably see in yourself. And if you would like prayer this morning for him to save you or restore you, we would love to pray with you. They're going to sing so you have something to do. Fill this house with some praise. And then we'll just, you respond and we'll pray. And then I'll come close this out in just a few minutes.